0: This episode of Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Jose Lothario, who passed away this week at the age of 82. He was best known as the trainer for Shawn Michaels as he prepared to face Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12 for the Man match. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Jose's family at this time. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean. I'm your host, coming to you from London, Ontario. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share our podcast, whether you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We'd also love you to join us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, or our Facebook group, Scumbags Wrestling. Your input helps create this show, so feel free to send your information and all your thoughts and details whenever you have them, and post whatever you'd like. We're not very restrictive to it, and we'd love for you to share your thoughts on the wrestling industry, whether you're a fan of the independent scene here in Ontario, or you love the big guys such as Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, or WWE, everybody's welcome. We do the sick pick of the day, superstar of the day, celebrating birthdays, and basically talk anything that's involved with wrestling. You can also stay in the know on when upcoming events are happening. We don't just stay here locally in London all the time. We do make road trips to various cities in the area to support independent wrestling, whether it's Kitchener, windsor dresden toronto and sarnia you name it we'll find the tickets and we'll try to get groups to go and we'll uh, go there if you see an event that you'd like to have a group of us go to feel free to share it with us and we'll see what we can do the better we support independent wrestling in ontario the better it's going to thrive all over the place On this week's episode, we look at Smash Wrestling's upcoming calendar, along with Ring of Honor's Global Wars, New Japan Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 13, part one of the interview that happened at London Comic-Con with Enzo Amore. Plus, we'll look at everything that happened at Crown Jewel, whether you watched it, whether you didn't watch it, Unfortunately, it is part of WD canon because of titles changing and where it set up things for the upcoming Survivor Series. So we'll be back in just a moment after these short messages. Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Mortar City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of smash wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory Teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Have you checked out our latest Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirts. We have the original Superstars of Wrestling inspired Scumbags logo, the Raw's War inspired parody logo, plus now a Survivor Series podcast logo, and a few other logos inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City and Property of Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirts. All our t-shirts are made by Daryl over at Twisted Tees. You can find him at TwistedTeesMarch.com. All the shirts are printed right there in his shop in Alora, and have amazing quality and first-rate technology to produce these amazing t-shirts. All our t-shirts come in a variety of different colors and can be purchased for $25 each. Twisted is known for their great quality and have done work for... Some of our friends of the podcast, such as Vagrancy Films, Shockstock, Rockin' Con, London C- Comic Con, Kill Effect, and the Monsters of Schlock, or your t shirts today through me directly by going to our website at scumbags.ca or contact me on Facebook at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast and find out how you can get your, your own shirts and show your pride of being a scumbag at any wrestling event you attend we're proud to be partnered with Twisted Tees on making these t-shirts and we hope you help support us and buy one for yourself at our full line of t-shirt designs at twistedmerch.com Yo, this is Tarek listening to Scumbags of Wrestling Punch, Kick, Chop Done. Welcome back, wrestling fans. As I said, Smash Wrestling is kind of quiet at the moment after they just completed the Kinesa Classic, one of their big events of the year, right here in London, Ontario, at London Comic Con. Canada won four to two with wins from Jody Threat, Cat Power, Ali, and Casey Spinelli. Over the next couple of weeks on the Fight Network at 8 30 every Thursday night you'll start seeing what happened here in London for the Canusa Classic but just because the Canusa is done that doesn't mean everything shuts down for smash wrestling they have been busy booking and posting all the events that will be happening over the next three months you can get tickets at the venues that they are being held at or through Smash Wrestling website at smash-wrestling.com. And now your Smash Wrestling calendar for the upcoming months. Starting off on November 17th, Challenge Accepted in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Members of Team Canada go one-on-one as Jody Threat faces Lufisto. Eve Luno, Brad Alexis, and Mike Rollins take on the new Kevin Bennett experience of Kevin Bennett and Halal Beefcake. The first match in the best of five series of Daniel Garcia and Sebastian Suave starts on this night. You'll see see a grudge match featuring Kevin Blackwood taking on Shane Sabre. The FLQ Tag Team Championships are on the line as TDT defend against the Pillars, Brent Banks and Tarek. Scotty O'Shea takes on Matt Cross and Teddy Hart in triple threat action. Plus the FLQ Championship is online with Stu Grayson looking to retain his title in a triple threat match with Handsome JF and Tyson Dukes. The Pillars have a chance to add more gold to their collection. Will that happen tonight? You'll need to get your tickets to find out. Plus, for those that have VIP tickets, there will be a special match featuring Kevin Blanchard versus James Stone. Once again, that's November 17th. Challenge accepted in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Then, on November 23rd, Smash Wrestling returns to Brock University in St. Catharines, Ontario. You'll see Puff, Fight or Flight, Jody Threat, Kevin Bennett, Sebastian Suave, Kevin Blackwood, Daniel Garcia, Tyson Dukes, and many more. Tickets for that event are available at the bar or through smash-wrestling.com. November 23rd, Brock University. Smash Wrestling goes back to school. December 2nd. Smash Wrestling returns to the London Music Hall with Control alt delete London's own Violet Lee is in a triple threat match against Jody Threat and Mike Rollins. Will Mike Rollins' conscience be a factor again in this match like it was against Sebastian Suave? We'll find out. The tag team titles are on the line as the Pillars, Tyson Dukes, and Brent Beggs defend against Halal Beefcake. Match number two in the Best of Five series of Daniel Garcia and Sebastian Suave will take place at the London Music Hall. Kevin Bennett will challenge Tarek for the Smash Wrestling Championship after he won the Battle Royal at the free show This Is Smash last month. In a special keyboards match, Scotty O'Shea faces Kevin Blackwood and just announced last night Dylan Andrews will take on his not-so-trusty sidekick, Puff. He seemed to have been fooled by Puff's disguise, unlike the rest of us who were in attendance that night. VIP ticket holders will receive an in-ring photo with Tyson Dukes and Violet Lee, a one-month free trial subscription to Smash On Demand, plus free entry into a VIP-exclusive raffle draw. Once again, that is December 2nd at the London Music Hall, Control-Alt-Delete. December 16th, Smash goes to the Franklin Horner Community Center in Toronto, Etobicoke, for In Your Dreams. On this night, you'll see PCO facing Jimmy Hammock for the first time ever. Match number three in the Best of Five series of Dana Garcia versus Sebastian Suave. Jody Threat faces another member of Team Canada in Casey Spinelli. The rest of the pillars, Tyson Dukes, Brent Banks, and Tarek, will Go against the Kevin Bennett Experience, Kevin Bennett, and Halal Beefcake, Plus, Smash Wrestling's debut of Marco Stunt. Kill Scream will face two butchers and a blade of Pepper Parks, Andy Williams, and Tyler Bateman. That's December 16th, In Your Dreams, the Franklin Horner Community Center in Etobicoke, Toronto. Then, January 13th, starts the new year. With the Taste at the Tannery in Kitchener, with heavy is the head. Matches are yet to be announced, as this is sure to be another great card. Hosted by the Taste of the Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario. And then March 23rd, Mariposa Mayhem in Aurelia, presented by Smash Wrestling and Barry Wrestling. Matches are yet to be announced for that card, but Smash Wrestling, teams with Barry to bring you some great wrestling action in Aurelia, March 23rd, Mariposa Mayhem. Tickets are available at the venues afforded or at smash-wrestling.com. And this has been your Smash Wrestling update for the calendar going forward. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. It's the big weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor as they embark on their Global Wars tour, hitting Buffalo, New York last night. The following are the results of that event. There was a no contest between the boys versus the kingdom. Dalton Castle defeated TK O'Brien. Kenny King defeated Cheeseburger. Kelly Klein defeated Madison Rain. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Koshida defeated Jonathan Grisham, Bushi, and Flip Gordon in a non title match. Ring of Honor Television Champion Jeff Cobb defeated Evil in a non title match. Juice Robinson defeated Silas Young. The Young Bucks defeated Sonata and Naito. Time limit draw for Chris Sabin, who earned a title match against Ring of Honor Champion Jay Lethal that match went to a no contest for the Ring of Honor Championship. In a three-way tag team match, the Best Friends defeated Adam Page and Cody and the Briscoe Brothers. The final stop on the tour happens in Toronto tomorrow evening. As we have a bunch of uh, members of the Scumbags Wrestling Group going to be attending and even be at ringside for this event, we hope to get an actual live report from the people in attendance for our next episode on that card they're going to see christopher daniels versus matt taven hangman page versus chucky t the Briscoes versus evil and sonata dalton castle and juice robinson will take on naito and bushi the young bucks will take on chris sabin and Kushida, frankie kazarian and scorpio sky versus the super smash brothers the Ring of Honor Tag for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. And Cody will take on Beretta for the IWGP US Championship. Jay Lethal will face Kenny King for the ROH Championship in the main event. This week, New Japan Pro Wrestling announced the Wrestle Kingdom 13 matches that will happen uh, January 4th, 2019, at the Tokyo Dome from Tokyo, Japan. Some of the matches that have been announced for this card include Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Saber Jr. for the British Heavyweight Championship. Okada faces Jay White in a singles match. Koshida versus Ishimari for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Plus Chris Jericho versus NATO for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And Kenny Omega faces Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight championship more matches are sure to be announced and of course we have friends of ours on the scumbags wrestling page that definitely will follow along and hopefully give a report along with the sharpshooters chris maloney who is now writing for wrestling observer newsletter and giving his weekly japan updates My name is
1: The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast.
0: And now part one of the Enzo Amore panel that happened at London Comic-Con a couple weeks ago.
1: might not, pro wrestler in the WWE for six years, two-time Cruiserweight champion, um, embarking on a music career, Rosemary's Baby, the first music project comes out December 8th. Uh, I'll be doing a live show November 18th or 19th, that Monday, in Whiskey A Go Go, Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. Right after Monday Night Raw, so if anybody's out there have, uh Survivor Series, I'll be doing something Sunday night and Monday night. It'll be the first ever post-WWE performance by myself. Looking forward to that. Just bring on the questions for the real guy in the room, mate, don't. All
0: right, Enzo, so thank you very much for joining us here at the London Comic Con. We're very excited to have you here today. I'm gonna kick off I'm some... Gonna little... I'm
1: gonna teach you a little something real quick. Put that thing right there. Look Hold at my right hands. right there. How's that working? Look at this.
0: <laughs> I like that. You hear I mean, that? that was re- that's way better.
1: I use, I use my uh, fingers yeah, to, yeah. to make it so that my hand's not... I mean, my mouth isn't spitting on the microphone, you understand know, what I'm saying? Oh, so know. That's much better. So it sounds a lot louder, don't That's it a know? lot louder, absolutely. It sounds a whole lot louder. I'm pretty I'm, good at this. I tattooed one of these on my hand in case anybody notices, you know. I got
0: a part of that That's commitment. So, life after WWE has been, uh, been going pretty well for you, huh? you. You come out with your own album, uh, now known as a real one. And how's, how's your rap career going for you? How, how, how are you enjoying this new venture? Uh,
1: I've had the opportunity of a lifetime because of uh, the WWE and the fans that I've garnered. Uh, make no mistake about it, wrestling fans, WWE fans, they are the best fans in the world. Uh, they, they help me in ways that are unconceivable and unimaginable. Uh, they had my back when uh, you know maybe maybe it seemed like the world was crumbling down. I know what was holding me up, and I know that uh, I, I owe them a degree of gratitude. And I'll never stop giving back to the wrestling community in some way, form, fashion or another. You cannot anticipate seeing me in a ring, though. I am retired from an in-ring competition. To squash that early. Uh, I think that a lot of the times people forget that when you look at an NBA player or an NFL player, their career is five years, eight years, 31 years old with the uh, information we have now about CTE and concussions, things like that. I've been knocked out cold on pay-per-view, had my mother crying uh, at home thinking I was dead. You know, Luckily I'm here and I'm alive, but I can still think. My knees and legs are working not like they used to. But uh, I'm blessed to still have a mind and uh, still have a body that, that, you know, a lot of people in my business, uh, you know, aren't fortunate enough to have as they have, you know, long runs and uh, my run was six years. Before that, I played college football, so my body's a little banged up. And uh, I think if I didn't go out the way I did, uh, you would have had to drag me out of that ring on fire. I would have never, ever, ever left so this was a silver lining a blessing in disguise for me to be embarking on a music career as i was anticipating that while in the confines of the wwe so uh the music was going to be produced by the wwe in essence being my record label uh when when you know uh i got the opportunity to get out here in the world as a free agent I also had the opportunity to meet a lot of people, see people and do things, open up my network, and take advantage of all the great fans, all the great people that I've met over the years. And uh, I have a rollout plan. I think wrestling fans are going to be very excited about. Um, and when that that rollout plan starts to take uh, shape, I think everyone will be aware. I have a means to make everyone aware And when that happens, it'll be really, really, really fun. Uh, I can't give away too much, honestly, but when you guys see it, you'll know it. And when you hear the music, uh, it'll speak for itself.
0: And now, music seems like a natural transition for you as you broke into the wrestling scene, primarily based on your your promos and, and your work on promos. How much of the promos in WWE was you versus how much was scripted for you?
1: Uh, well, when I was in the WWE, I had the luxury of working with Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Uh, and he believed in me so wholeheartedly that I had the opportunity to write my own NXT material, whereas the other people that I worked with and my peers didn't have that luxury. So, Bada Boom real guys in a room, how you doing? SAWFT Soft, what do we got over here? Cup you know, Zero Dimes, uh, you know, all, all the stuff that I came up with. Uh, That was a blessing in due part to Dusty Rhodes and the mentorship I had with him. He believed in me and he would tell the writers, back off, let him say his stuff. But by the time I got to the WWE and I was on the main stage, uh, a little story for you people. The night before I debuted on TV uh, on Monday Night Raw in Dallas at WrestleMania 32 the following night on Monday, I had uh, ran into Stone Cold Steve Austin that weekend for the first time in my life and me and Big Cass did Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast together and the night before I debuted I talked to Steve and I said hey man I'm I'm debuting tomorrow if you have any advice uh, could you give me some advice so Stone Cold looked me dead in my eyes and he said you have one job boy and that's get over it. That's, that's a lot easier said than done, ain't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's your advice, get over. But he alluded to a lot of things, and he did say DTA, don't trust anybody. He said, when you start making it big, you gotta drive alone. You gotta not tell other people what's going on in your career. And uh, I took heed to that advice, and from that point on, anytime I needed advice, I would pick up the phone and call Stone Cold. And when Stone Cold says so, you do what Stone Cold said so, you know? So my job was to get over and the opening day that I was out there on Monday Night Raw, I went completely off-script So the script that they had written for me, I was in a side room pretending I was memorizing Meanwhile, I was memorizing my own script because in the business of pro wrestling I did what you call going into business for yourself. I went into business for myself because I did not big up and boast about my opponent because in wrestling you want to make your opponent because if you're not if the ultimate warrior understand if wrestling scripted the ultimate warrior is as good as his opponent right so if he's not beating anybody who's he who, he's not winning right if, 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 if somebody steps up on this stage and they've never won a match in their life and i beat him, what did i really accomplish so your job is to make other people big so that when you beat them you look like you did something right well, when I went out there against the Dudley boys, I went completely off script and I buried them as we would say. And when I got back to the curtain, the ovation was so crazy from the crowd and everything worked so well, nobody ever said shit to me. So uh, nobody told me like, oh, you, you shouldn't have said that. or oh, you, you, you shouldn't have went off script. Everybody was just more than happy to, to be a part of that night. and. Uh, and after that, you know, I took I took some lumps along the way at SummerSlam. Uh, SummerSlam, Vince McMahon told me that I couldn't say Biggie Smalls' line because he didn't think the crowd would know the words. And I went against the word of Vince McMahon himself, and I went out there and I said, "This match is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I'd never amount to nothing." To all the people in the building hustling, trying to make some money to feed their daughter and all the people in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby! And then I picked the mic up and the whole crowd sang Biggie Smalls. It was all a dream. I used to read Word of Magazine. And I can only imagine how mad Vince was backstage. But I proved them wrong. That the people would know it. And I, I started talking again right there. And then Big the Cass started singing New York, New York off script. And then we got fined $45,000 for copyright infringement by the Sinatra camp. And the next day, I was told that I would get fired by Triple H. I got I got a, I got, a, I got, I got an earful, and uh, I thought it was over. I was like, no, oh, man, I, I just wrote my own death wish here by doing that. And then the next night, well, that night, that same night I just got, you know, an earful from Triple H. That next night... You know, because Finn Balor tore his labrum and had to relinquish the Universal Championship. Big Cass was put in the Fatal 4-Way for that championship. And that moment is when I kind of realized it doesn't matter what I do out here, what I say, because either way, you put Cass in this match and I'm standing in the ring with Stephanie McMahon in the opening seg of Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam and they're chanting Oh, Enzo, oh and I'm not in the match, what the hell's going on? So, fast forward, you know, I kind of I, I died on that hill. You In my business, you gotta pick which hills you wanna die on. I chose to go off script that day and I did die on that hill for a while. And then, uh, you know, as me and Big Cass broke up, I told bits that I wanted to join 205 Live. I came to him with my music, I played bits my music. I sat down with the WWE head of music, Neil Lowey, and Kevin Dunn, the executive producer. We came up with a game plan where I was tweeting Conor McGregor, I went to the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. They put the Cruiserweight Championship on me in hopes of getting Conor uh, to come bite and, 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 and do a match with me for the Cruiserweight Championship. When that was falling through and it didn't look like that would happen, obviously, if anybody's a wrestling fan and watched, Nia Jax fought Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania for the Cruiser, I mean for the women's title. And that was to turn me heel. So as a bad guy, I had a big gray area as a babyface and a heel. People couldn't really make up their mind at times and Vince loves that. John Cena sucks, let's go Cena, John Cena sucks. Vince loves that gray area, but The game plan to turn me heel was to have me get caught backstage hooking up with Alexa Bliss by Nia Jax after using Nia as my heater like China. So this would really turn me heel amongst the people who saw me do this girl wrong. This would also turn Alexa heel, get her a lot of heat and get Nia a lot of babyface sympathy. So that was the game plan and to bring out Rey Mysterio in Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy fashion in a ladder match at Wrestlemania and have it look like oh my god Enzo going to get screwed out of a title like he did last year. Uh, Rey was just going to do a one off but I think he ended up doing the Royal Rumble the following week instead. Uh, And now he's obviously back with the company, but uh, I don't think Ray was set to work with the Cruiserweight division. He wasn't set to be in 205 Live. It was just supposed to be, he came back for that one Mania match. And uh, from there, maybe he would do the heavyweight division or whatever, because I was supposed to retain the title and uh, launch the music. So the first ever Cruiserweight Championship tour that we went on, uh, you know, I I, I was the last match I ever had. the first ever Cruiserweight Championship Tour. So I think if you look at that in a nutshell, I got I got the luxury of being a part of NXT and opening up every single one of those shows from the very first show we ever left Florida to going to the UK for the first time and doing a tour there uh, and wrestling in the O2 arena. Um, you know, and then to finish my career with the first ever and only ever WWE Cruiserweight Tour and the main event, to retain the title, to only be fired in a ball of flames the next day. I can't rewrite that script. Uh, I, I you, Maybe you understand why I'm so reluctant to give it a sequel. Uh, it's a cool thing to get walked out the door with a title around your waist, knowing what your last match was. I feel like I accomplished everything I wanted to in pro wrestling more than I ever, ever dreamed of. I did not even remotely close to, I was so lucky, I didn't think any of that stuff would ever happen. I was obsessed with the Hardy Boys as a kid. I wrestled them in WrestleMania. The noise that came out of that stadium when the Hardy Boys came out, I could wrestle for another 30 years, I'll probably never hear it again. So I'm blessed, mind's intact, body's intact. Now you guys know where we were going with the storyline. Uh, and where we're at so yeah uh, As far as the scripting goes that was the question I can talk all day if you haven't noticed uh, I Didn't I didn't script a lot of the stuff, but uh, basically what I would do on Mondays when they would hand me a script just like they do every other wrestler containing your storyline bullet points I would hit it with me and the writers called the remix I would give every script the Enzo remix. So if you told me, "Hey, the story is you're the bad guy, you're the good guy, and she's the you know uh, damsel in distress, and you're supposed to save her, and he's gonna get," and then you write out of you know those points, I'm gonna tell that story in my own words. So I would rewrite every single script on Monday that I was handed at the arena at roughly around between 12 and 5, 6 p.m. I would get a script and we'd go on air at 8 p.m. So I would rewrite that script, I would memorize it, I would go out to the crowd, uh, sometimes I would forget what I was saying, and that's when the magic happens sometimes. Uh, you know, when when I said a couple haters, that wasn't scripted at all, and I didn't even have that in my mind when I went out there, I just said it, because it made sense, and then it turned into a couple of haters. But I didn't say couple the first time I said it, I pronounced couple. Uh, But it's those organic things that happen. My little brother was at the mall and he said that he was sitting there eating with his buddy and his buddy went, well, what do we got over here? A couple haters talking about what I just said that week on TV. It was fresh in his mind. And I went, oh, I have something there. Cause he told me that if somebody else remembered that, that's how it works in wrestling. If you're backstage, and you do something like my dance that I would do and run around backwards and stuff, the first people I ever made laugh with that was my peers, the people I worked with. If it made them laugh backstage, it'll make people laugh in the crowd. So it's way harder to pop the boys at the back than it is to pop the crowd.
0: Hey, it's Jody Threat, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. This past Friday, WD presented Crown Jewel from Saudi Arabia, even though they didn't mention the country by name it was their second event from the location and surrounded by a lot of controversy as you know going in whether you watched it or not unfortunately the wonkiness of the event does still play into wd canon and what's going to happen with things going forward in the future of raw and smackdown so here are the details of what happened if you didn't catch the pay-per-view itself. The kickoff show had Nakamura taking on Rusev for the U.S. title. Uh, The match went back and forth, and Nakamura was able to get out of the accolade as he was trying to get to the ropes, and Rusev pulled him back, and Nakamura accidentally uh, knocked Rusev in the testicles and... Another nut shot, basically, like he did for uh, his feud with AJ Styles. He pretended to seem like it was a total accident, but before he hit the Kinshasa, you could tell by his smile on his face that it was definitely a planned attack to uh, cause the distraction and injury. And after hitting the Kinshasa, obviously, Shinsuke got the pin and retained his US title. Then we moved on to the actual pay-per-view itself, and Hogan was brought to the ring as the host of Crown Jewel, and he was walking to the ring with his red and yellow, and they were playing Real American, odd in that country, but they could have done something else to play for him. Uh, He just said he was really happy to be back and didn't mention at all where they were, only that they were at the Crown Jewel, I guess that helped him uh, not make another reference to the Superdome or the Silverdome or any other place that they weren't in, and he just had to look over at this big set that looked like a crown to know he was at Crown Jewel. Uh, So that was the only appearance by our event host, and you'd think an event host would be part of it more often, but... It was already a controversial show to begin with, and so why not throw some more controversy at it by having Hogan out there. The first round of the tournament started, and we had Rey Mysterio beat Randy Orton when Rey caught Randy with a uh, backslide and stack up for the pin. Orton then hit Rey with an RKO and uh, threw him onto the announce table face first, and his face accidentally I guess, broke the uh, monitor of the commentator that was using it. Byron Saxon was in the back and interviewed Miz about his match with Jeff Hardy, and he feels awesome about how the brackets are lining up for him, especially with the injury that Orton caused on Mysterio. Then Jeff Hardy took on The Miz, and The Miz beat Hardy when uh, Miz countered a twist of fate into the skull-crushing finale. Seth Rollins beat Bobby Lashley with a stomp after a hard-fought match that Lashley pretty much dominated the majority of. Uh, Obviously, rumors had it that Lashley was actually injured uh, with a shoulder problem and was only replacing John Cena in the tournament because Cena refused to go to Saudi Arabia and be a part of this event. So Byron Saxton then interviewed Kurt Angle about his chances of winning, and Kurt is ready to write the next chapter in his career. Unfortunately, Dolph Ziggler then won over Kurt Angle after escaping the ankle lock and sending Kurt into the post followed by a zigzag for the pinfall. Kind of odd that Ziggler got to advance after Kurt Angle had all this time off Presumably, to be getting ready for this match and being at Crown Jewel, that somebody that obviously the Prince probably would have wanted, since he does love nostalgia acts, was eliminated in the first round. So, with the first round complete, the second round was going to see Rey Mysterio against The Miz and Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler again. The New Day then came out on a magic carpet to face The Bar for the SmackDown Championships. The Bar had The Big Show with them in their corner, and New Day was represented by Kofi and Big E. The Bar won by pinfall after Big Show hit Big E with a right hand, followed by a broad kick from Sheamus. Byron then interviewed The Miz about his next round, against Rey Mysterio, and then he interviewed Ray about his match against The Miz. The Miz beat Rey Mysterio to advance uh, to the finals of the tournament. Ray was slow to follow up from the 619, and Miz got his knees up to block the frog splash. Ray already had his ribs injured earlier by Randy Orton, so it made it easy for The Miz to roll up Ray for the win. Byron then interviewed Seth about the next match against Dolph Ziggler and then Byron interviewed Dolph about his match against Seth. Dolph Ziggler pinned Seth Rollins to advance to the finals of the tournament to face The Miz. Both escaped each other's signature spots, but it was the interference from Drew McIntyre that allowed Dolph to hit the super kick and get the victory. Seth brought it upon himself as he... Dove to the outside, hitting McIntyre, and went to the top rope. Dolph had the ref distracted, allowing Drew to push Seth off the top rope. And then getting hit with a Famouser. Byron met Dolph at the top of the ramp and questioned the victory and called it an upset over Seth Rollins. So now we had our final set as Really good friends Dolph Ziggler and Miz were going to go against each other in a heel versus heel match to determine the best in the world and the winner of the World Cup. Due to Daniel Bryan refusing to travel to Saudi Arabia, the scheduled match with AJ Styles was done on Tuesday at SmackDown. AJ retained uh, by making Bryan submit to the calf crusher, but then Samoa Joe attacked AJ and Bryan after the match. AJ demanded a match from Paige to go against Joe at Crown Jewel, and Paige reluctantly gave it to him. So, now for the WWE world title, Styles was going against Samoa Joe, which Styles did beat Joe and retain the championship after a penalty kick followed up by a phenomenal forearm for the three count. Even though this was like their fourth time going against each other, this was probably their worst of the four series and, yeah, I guess, unfortunately, Joe was just a placeholder because of Dan O'Brien not being wanting to go to Saudi Arabia and have that match. But I just hope that they find some way of rehabbing Joe to make him the dominant force. And it's kind of unfortunate for anybody going against AJ Styles at this moment because they are so determined to have him have this great long title victory not that he doesn't deserve it but it makes it hard for other guys to get over uh, without looking ridiculous like Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura have in their recent feuds with AJ over the title so then it was time for the universal title match and due to Roman Reigns battling leukemia again He had to drop the title and was determined that it was just going to remain with the other two members of the triple threat, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, going against each other and the winner was going to take the title home with them from Saudi Arabia. So Brian, excuse me. So Baron Corbin was welcomed to the ringside because he is the acting general manager of Raw and he was down at ringside with the title sitting on a table and waiting to see what was going to happen with this match. Brock Lesnar came out first with Paul Heyman, and then it was Braun Strowman. Heyman did his regular introduction of Brock Lesnar, but said spoiler alert and said that he was going to be the new universal champion. Baron Corbin got into the ring, showed off the title to both men, and raised it to the hard camera to show that the match was for the title. And as he went to leave, he ended up hitting Braun Strowman from behind with the belt. This allowed Brock to hit an F5 for a two count, which surprised Brock. And then Brock hit a second and third F5s with Strowman kicking out of each of those pinning attempts. A fourth F5 came from Brock, but this time, instead of landing on the mat, Brock purposely dumped Braun to the floor, and seemed like he was willing to take a count-out victory. But Braun got back into the ring at the count of nine, and then avoided a fifth F5, only to hit a big boot to Brock. But when Braun charged at Brock, he was caught and lifted up for a fifth F5 and a, finally a pinfall. Brock Lesnar is once again the Universal Championship holder and the first two-time winner of the title. This is kind of surprising considering, you know, Brock is hardly ever around, but apparently he signed on to do two more matches and have more money thrown at him. So that's why we'll get him at Survivor Series. And then who knows if his second match will end up being at the Royal Rumble where he hopefully drops the title to the next contender. And we go from there. But it's perfect timing considering UFC was happening the next day and the projected opponent for Brock Lesnar, when he's able to step back into the octagon, is supposed to be Daniel Cormier. So, having the title on Brock Lesnar only makes sense from a PR perspective. Shane McMahon was then brought to ringside as he was going to be representing the SmackDown side of things, and Baron Corbin was still down there representing Raw as it was a Raw versus SmackDown finish of the World Cup and so whoever won basically had prestige for their brand and so each commissioner or general manager in Shane McMahon's case were at ringside to watch the proceedings happen. The Miz came out first and then it was followed by Dolph who was accompanied by Drew. The ref ordered Drew to go to the back so the match would be a one-on-one match And it was known that Drew had been somewhat of a uh, determining factor in why Dolph was in the finals and Seth wasn't. So the referee demanded that Drew hit the bricks and go back to the dressing room. Miz then decided to attack Dolph before the bell and dumped Dolph to the outside. When Miz jumped off the ring to go after Dolph, uh, he ended up landing wrong and looked like he had twisted his ankle or tweaked his knee. The referee decided that The Miz was too injured to be able to compete and that the match was going to be awarded to Dolph Ziggler by forfeit, and Dolph would have been declared the winner of the World Cup tournament and declared best in the world. The ref tried to explain this to the ring announcer, And Shane McMahon stopped him each time. In stopping the announcement from happening, he ended up making his own announcement and inserted himself into the match. So now it was going to be Shane McMahon, who wasn't even in the dang tournament to begin with, taking on Dolph Ziggler, who had already had two other matches. Obviously, Baron Corbin was freaking out at ringside, and the referee decided to kick him out of the yeah, yeah. The match started and Shane hit the coast-to-coast on Dolph for the pinfall victory, and it was announced, with a graphic and all, that Shane had won the tournament and was now the best in the world, including a trophy where Shane ended up pretending like it was the best thing that had ever happened to him and was parading around with it. And all I can hope is that there's something... Meaningful coming out of this, it also kind of felt like it was a huge poke at CM Punk and Chris Jericho, who both claim that they are the best in the world. So, unless they're trying to get some reaction out of them, I don't know what the actual outcome and what it all means. But when a World Cup doesn't involve anybody from another country than the US and then is won by the boss's son or the owner's son who wasn't even in the tournament is very kind of disappointing, especially after the way the first round went and it was kind of lackluster, but things started picking up. And then this is your finals. It was almost giving everybody a middle finger of we have you fooled. Who knows what that's going to produce, but we'll see what the future holds. Shane did threaten the loser of the SmackDown side, had they lost the match, were going to get fired. So Shane definitely wanted to have that title on the SmackDown side. So now he actually has that title and the trophy, and he'll parade it around on Tuesday. And then finally, in the main event, it was the return of the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, after eight and a half years teaming with his best friend and WCOO Triple H as DX, and they took on the Brothers of Destruction, the Undertaker, and Kane, the mayor of Knox County. HBK came to the ring looking like a cross between a biker and a cowboy and seemed a bit uncomfortable with what he was wearing and not knowing if he should take it off, leave it on during their entrance and also the entrance of the Brothers of Destruction. He ended up uh, keeping it on to, for the visual of them staring each other down between the two teams. And because King came up first and then Undertaker had multiple gongs and special effects and lightning before finally coming out to a long drawn out ring entrance that seemed like five minutes just to get down to the ring. And then the stare down and Taker getting up on the steps and raising his arms to turn on the lights And so that took up a majority of everything just to reset from Shane McMahon's win. But yeah, we have a match coming up that has a combined age of over 200 years old between four guys. So then DX took their time getting back into the ring. The match started off very slow and Sean got hung up in the tree of woe. And Triple H was then sent into the, the same corner as where Shawn was hanging by Kane, and Hunter went up and over the top rope into the floor. This is where he seemed to have had hurt himself on the right uh, side, and he was definitely protecting himself uh, after that with every s- sequence that he was doing, and it just seemed really like a one-armed man in a fight now. Undertaker hit old school on Shawn Michaels by walking top rope. Shawn hit an elbow drop on Kane, but had sweet chin music blocked into a chokeslam. Taker uh, came in and got Shawn with snake eyes and a big boot and a leg drop. With the distraction from Hunter, Shawn caught uh, Taker with sweet chin music, but was unable to follow up. Taker sat up dumped HBK to the floor where tables came into play. Hunter saved Sean from Tombstone on the announce table and Kane chokeslammed Triple H through the announce table. Undertaker hit a leg drop on a prone Shawn Michaels on the ring edge and Sean had to fight two-on-one battle. Sean kicked Kane's mask off and sent him to the floor. Then Sean got up to the top rope and did a moonsault, which definitely did not look really good because Kane and Undertaker didn't seem to catch him, and Sean fell almost face-first onto the floor. Triple H ended up making back to his corner for the hot tag, and Hunter got the pedigree on Taker but was put into Hell's Gate. Michaels hit Kane with Sweet Chin Music, sending Kane into Undertaker, breaking Triple H out of the Hell's Gate submission. The brothers sat up together and went for a double tombstone, with Sean poking Kane in the eye to free Hunter, and Triple H kicked Undertaker to free Michaels. Then Sean hit Sweet Chim Music on Undertaker, then Kane. Triple H hit another awkward pedigree to Kane for the pinfall victory for DX. DX stood tall at the end of the show as fireworks went off. Overall, this was a weird show. High production value and pyro, unlike Evolution was, but the return of Hulk Hogan, Kurt returning to lose in the first round, a magic carpet ride for the New Day, a boring AJ styles Samoa Joe match, Shane McMahon won the tournament with even wrestling any other matches a senior citizen wrestling in the main event for the show i don't know there were some okay moments but this show ah, uh, wow the best match of the night was probably seth against dolph ziggler and maybe even uh miz and mysterio in the semi-final matches but i don't know there was just so many negative things going on before and during the show for this to be fully enjoyable. Uh, we just need to see where things go from here. How long Brock Lesnar will hold that Universal title? How long will AJ hold his title? And then Shane McMahon, is he going to be heel? Is he going to be face? Why is he the best in the world? when it should have been somebody else, and the tournament should have actually had people who were international, not just U.S. participants. So, uh, just kind of wonky. Again, another highly produced and tons of pyro for a glorified house show that definitely made evolution seem even better than what we already thought it was from five days earlier so whether you watched it you didn't watch it things still have to go on further with where belts ended up going and what's going to happen in the coming weeks so this is my review of what happened and send me a message and let me know what you thought of it did you watch it What about Shane McMahon being the champion or winning the tournament? Hulk Hogan returning them actually going through with the event in Saudi Arabia after all the controversy that happened over the last weeks or the month leading into it with the political aspect of a murder of a journalist and the moral questions of whether you should or shouldn't do it. Send me a message at, our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling, or on our Twitter at Scumbags Canada. Let's talk. Let's share. It was reported that Triple H had seen a tear of his pectoral muscle when Kane threw him into the corner where Shawn Michaels was hanging in the tree of woe and Hunter flipped over the top rope. The rest of the match was basically a handicap match with Shawn going against the Brothers of Destruction, and Triple H finished the match with just doing very limited activity, including some sloppy moves with both Kane and Undertaker in a questionable whip into the barricades and some not-so-great pedigrees. However, Hunter uh, will be flying back to the U.S. to see Dr. James Andrews to evaluate the extent of the injury and get surgery. It's unknown if he'll be able to make it back to the UK where Raw and SmackDown will be taking place. This also puts into question what will happen with Dave Batista. as at SmackDown 1000, they kind of hinted at Dave versus Triple H at WrestleMania and they planted the seeds with that. Now with this injury, where does that put uh, Dave, will he actually come back and do a match at WrestleMania if it's not Triple H? Or will this be put on a back burner and waiting until SummerSlam? Will he accept it against Summer- to happen at SummerSlam? Or is he set on it being him and Hunter at WrestleMania? Only time will tell, I guess. And it'll also determine how quickly Hunter does heal, as he and John Cena actually are quite rapid healers with how intense they do their rehab from other injuries. Speaking of injuries, Ty Dillinger is getting surgery on his hand as he injured that recently, and that's why he was pulled from this past week's SmackDown to take on Shinsuke Nakamura. Dave Meltzer reported that Shane winning the tournament for a crown jewel was planned from the start and set up the survivor series where team raw and SmackDown go against each other and sort of in a way, like last year's shots fired by Shane McMahon. this was his new shots fired type deal. And it's also a potential heel turn for Shane McMahon. And we'll see what happens with that because Why we need another McMahon as a heel and still wanting to feud with his sister show is beyond me, but we'll see what goes on with that. WWE got a big shout out from Daniel Cormier this past week at the UFC 230 event as he won his match and immediately called out Brock Lesnar and asked him to bring his newly won Universal Championship belt with him as he wants... To face Brock Lesnar in possibly one of his last matches before he turns 40 in March. The earliest that that can happen is January-ish, I believe, when Brock Lesnar would be cleared from his suspension from USADA and allowed to compete in a UFC match. Now, whether or not Brock will have the belt around his waist at that time should be interesting to see. And depends on what Cormier actually does, because I guess there's a bunch of different routes he can go since he's in heavyweight and light heavyweight division, depending on what his weight class is at the time of weigh-ins. And he's a champion of both. So however that all plays out, apparently Cormier does want Lesnar before he retires and turns 40. And that was him throwing out a shot fired on his end and WD got their big props with having him calling out Brock Lesnar and mentioning his newly won Universal Championship. So it was sort of free advertisement for uh, WD and Vince McMahon. Coming up next on the WD calendar is going to be NXT War Games happening the weekend of Survivor Series from Los Angeles at the Staples Center. So far, we have Tommaso Ciampa defending his NXT title against Velveteen Dream. Alex Black will go after Johnny Gargano, who apparently took him out of the title scene and cost him the belt. And in the War Games match, Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong will take on the team of Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe. There's bound to be at least two more matches, including the women's title, where Carrie Sane will defend her title, and we'll see what else happens as they build towards NXT war games. Then, the very next night will be the 2018 edition of the Survivor Series. Now, at one point, it didn't sound like it was going to be the Raw vs. SmackDown stuff going on because they didn't really want Roman Reigns against AJ Styles but with Roman having to step away due to his illness they decided to go back to the other idea like they had last year and do Raw versus SmackDown. With that said all the champions will go against each other and you'll have them all non-title matches. So far as it stands at this moment Becky Lynch will take on Ronda Rousey in the first match that was announced. And after the results of this past week's Saudi Arabia show Crown Jewel, we now know that WWE Champion AJ Styles will take on the new Universal Champion Brock Lesnar in a rematch from 2017. Last year, Brock ended up winning, will this time be AJ's turn to help solidify him, as a legit champion, even though we already know he's just passing his one-year reign as champion. We'll also see Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins go against Shinsuke Nakamura, and if things remain the same as they did after tonight's Raw, the Authors of Pain will go against the bar with the tag team champions going against each other. Plus, there'll be two traditional Survivor Series elimination matches with Team Raw vs. Team SmackDown for the men and Team Raw vs. Team SmackDown for the women. Baron Corbin will be leading the team for Raw, and Shane McMahon is going to lead the team for SmackDown. At the moment, joining Baron Corbin will be Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. Tomorrow night, we should find out who's going to join Shane McMahon and be a part of Team SmackDown. Alexa Bliss has been tasked with putting together the women's match team for Survivor Series representing Raw, and Charlotte has yet to accept Paige's offer for her to lead Team SmackDown against the women of Team Raw. With just under two weeks left to plan these events, it should uh, come together really quickly within the next couple episodes. After that's out of the way, then we'll see in December tables, ladders, and chairs, the traditional TLC pay per view. All this and more streams live on the WDE Network. Hello. Do you or someone you know? have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast well give me a shout at our email address scumbagswrestling at gmail.com and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast we'll give your business a shout out including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services Have you checked out our latest Scumbags of Wrestling t shirts? We have the original Superstars of Wrestling inspired Scumbags logo, the Raw's War inspired parody logo, plus now a Survivor Series podcast logo, and a few other logos inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City and Property of Scumbags of Wrestling t shirts. All our t shirts are made by Daryl over at. Twisted Tees. You can find him at TwistedTeesMerch.com All the shirts are printed right there in his shop in Allura and have amazing quality and first-rate technology to produce these amazing t-shirts. All our t-shirts come in a variety of different colors and can be purchased for $25 each. Twisted Tees is known for their great quality and have done work for some of our friends of the podcast, such as Vagrancy Films, Shockstock, Rockin' Con, London C- Comic-Con, Kill Effect, and the Monsters of Schlock. Or your t-shirts today through me directly by going to our website at scumbags.ca or contact me on Facebook at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast and Find out how you can get your your own shirts and show your pride of being a scumbag at any wrestling event you attend. We're proud to be partnered with Twisted Tees on making these t-shirts, and we hope you help support us and buy one for yourself. Get our full line of t-shirt designs at twistedmerch.com.
1: Hey, you're listening to the Scumbags Podcast. It's your boy Aiden Prince.
0: Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Feel free to leave us some feedback, whether it's on our Facebook page, Facebook group, over at Twitter at Scumbags Canada, or email me at scumbagswrestling@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast regardless of where you listen to it. On next week's episode, we're going to talk about the predictions for NXT TakeOver War Games Survivor Series 2018 and have results from various shows from the area, including Global Wars in Toronto. That's happening tomorrow night. Plus, we'll have part two of the Enzo Amore panel That happened at London Comic-Con a few weeks ago. Thank you once again to Kill Effect for their intro and outro music for this show. And until next week, have a good one. See you next time. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.